by data plug creatives. It was suddenly very quiet on the veranda and the sun felt over hot. Somewhere in the distance, I could hear Hasara Rojo by Darasa playing and the rustling of palm trees seemed almost musical, a whisper of sounds that seemed loud in the silence around me. There was also a sudden silence in the next room. I looked at Mike, who was standing motionless, staring at a gun pointed at him, his eyes startled, his smile sliding from his face. First of all, sorry for the long wait since the last Titanic under quarantine. Some cabron mentioned the BBI crap in the Big Four agenda. I was giving him time to scratch his belly word for word. Isa scam. I digress. Now, Twenze 2 Resort and Spa in Naivasha was at the end of a side road that cut sharply away from the lake and went down like 500 yards to an open tarmac just wide enough for a car to turn. There was a freshly painted sign at the head of the road announcing this was private property. It was nudging 12.15 p.m. when Bob, Pablo and I pulled up outside the quiet bungalow. There was a Land Cruiser V8 standing on the tarmac, a glossy machine with attitude black leather upholstery and glittering chromium. Pablo parked his jalopy beside it. We got out and looked towards the house. It was screened by flowering shrubs and palm trees. I could just see an overhanging roof of grey tiles but no more. We came to a stretch of lawn into the house. French doors stood open onto the veranda. A black white cat lay in the sun on the railing of the terrace. It lifted its head and its yellowish eyes stared without interest in our direction, then it laid its head once more on the hot stone and went off into its Odibet's Valhalla of dreams. We walked across the lawn and up onto the veranda. The front door was to my left with mahogany fitments and a pull-down bell. It was a big, chalet type of building with green shutters, white walls, and a bright creeper climbing over the front entrance with red and white, bell-shaped flowers I had never seen before. As I moved towards the main door, a man's voice, coming from the open French door said, Saw, Kawendi Mimi Nanda. Meaning, well, if you're not leaving, I will. I paused. For heaven's sake, don't start drinking now, Mike, a woman said. I want to talk to you. And that, darling, is exactly why I must leave. Do you imagine I can sit here listening to you unless I do have a drink? Be reasonable, please. You're a bit of a swine, Mike. The note in the woman's voice was ugly to hear. I moved quietly along the hot veranda and paused just outside the French doors. The sound of a siphon hissing told me he was mixing a drink. I moved another few inches closer and that allowed me to get a sight of the room. There was a pale red fitted carpet on the floor and the furniture was of light oak. There were plenty of lounging chairs and two enormous settees. Sitting in one of the lounging chairs was Angela. She was wearing openwork sandals and her toenails were painted silver. She wore goldish chandelier earrings. She looked beautiful, mashallah. Mike moved into sight. He was what I expected him to be. A big hunk of glamorous beef, a hairline goatee and a fat face. He was wearing a white singlet, grey shorts and sandals. In his right hand, he carried a whiskey highball. Angela stared at him for a long moment, then she reached down by her side and lifted into view a big beach bag. She opened it and began to hunt around in it. Mike watched her, his eyebrows lifted, his fixed smile in place. She looked up, her hand still out of sight in the bag and said, kind kind. Which I understood to mean that she was ready for anything. We don't ever meet again, she said, still watching him, her eyes glittering. All right, if you want it the hard way, you can have it, he said, leaning forward to glare at her. Let's get the hell out of here. I'm sick to death of the quarantine. She smiled at him, a tight, spine-chilling grin. Then she said, you're not leaving this place, Mike. From the bag, she pulled out a semi-automatic Beretta Pico and pointed it at him. Cool a pause. Ha ha ha. Although Mike had had his faults, 
He had been a nice chap. We had met him like five years ago. We had got friendly, and one night, over a bottle of vodka, we had decided we were tired of taking orders and being pushed around. Even though we were a little drunk, we were all uneasy about leaving the security of a regular salary for the risk of setting up on our own. We had no much capital. After we had worked through half the bottle of vodka we had decided to burn our boats and go into business. Angela, Bob, Pablo and yours truly on the side. There were several inquiry agencies in town. Mike knew most of them and they were no great shakes. He became our plug. He clicked lucky right from the start. Fast forwarding. Angela slowly stood up. With the gun in her hand, she looked incongruous. Her face was the color of marble. Her silver-tipped finger was curled around the trigger of the gun. Yes, Mike, she said softly, we're not leaving here. Put the gun down, Angela, and let's talk about this. Maybe I've been a little hasty. We could pick up threads, Mike said, speaking each word slowly and breathlessly. You miserable coward, she said contemptuously. I thought that's how you would talk once I had you cornered. It's too late now. Very slowly he began to back away, his eyes out of his head, his face beginning to sweat. Equally slowly, she moved forward, stalking him across the big lounge. From where I stood, I could see Bob softly step through the opposite door into the lounge. Angela had her back now to Bob. Mike, who was facing Angie, saw him at once. He lifted his hands and half turned away. I could see he was terrified that Bob might startle her into shooting him. Bob jumped forward, his hand slamming down on her wrist, forcing the gun to point to the floor. He twisted the gun out of her hand as she spun around, her eyes opening wide. For a long moment she stared at us, then she moved to one side, walked past me, snatched up her bag and ran out onto the terrace. Mike sat down abruptly on the settee. He hid his face in his hands. That made his Adam's apple do a handspring. He looked at Bob, scratched the lobe of his right ear, then relaxed with a wide, boyish smile that was as false as uptown girl's eyebrows. Bob laid the gun on one of the tables, took out his handkerchief and wiped off his face on it. The sound of a car starting up made a loud noise in the silence of the lounge. Pablo stared at Mike, his eyes were restless and as savage as the eyes of a rogue elephant. He walked around the lounge and made for the door leading into the bedroom. There he paused, looking at us. For a long moment, I didn't say anything. I just stood there. Okay, I admit my heart did a backflip. I pushed my cap to the back of my head and wiped my forehead with my hand. I held on to myself trying to get my breath. Men are getting themselves shot every day all over the world by women who have no other way of coping with certain situations. You should have thought of that before you planned to run a Guns N' Roses affair, I said mildly. I doubt if she was going to pull the trigger, how the hell did she get hold of that gun in the first place? I asked, Mike stared at me. I heard him draw in a long, shuddering breath. He was nervous as a flustered hen. It wasn't until I was woken up by the silence of my bedroom. For some minutes I lay in bed, staring up at the patterns made by the sun on the ceiling. Then I ran my fingers through my face, yawned, threw off the sheets and got out of bed. A long, warm shower brought me fully awake. The clock showed 20 minutes past 6. The sun rode high over the trees casting long black shadows. I hunched my shoulders, drew down a lungful of the morning air and leaned back. I had my mouth form into a mirthless smile. Kendrick Lamar, I...